Hello, everyone, and welcome to the uh, very first December edition of the Monday check-in, I think. Did it... I, I think you're wrong. Nah. <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, it was November 30th. Okay, that's what I thought, because the yep. thing on the thing said November 30th. And I was like, but the day's the 7th, but there's seven days in a week. But does the seven days... It's not confusing count to me. The first day or not count the first day. It's always a mystery. Yeah, that's when math gets weird in my brain. And I always have to pull my calendar to check. <laughs> so so it is officially the first December edition of the Monday check-in. It's Monday, December 7th. I am Damon Jensen Heitman, one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska, joined by Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska. Glad to be here with you all. Yeah. And the Monday check-in, for those who don't know, is a little get-together at the start of the week. Greg and I take a look at the scripture that is going to be used for this upcoming Sunday, which will be the third Sunday in Advent, I believe. And uh, we have a little bit of a chat about that, a little kind of a mini Bible study, if you will. And then we switch gears and we share a little bit about uh, the life of the church, what's going on at First Pres, uh, what folks should be aware of, how folks can join in on things, um, and all that good stuff. Uh, is that it? Yeah. Yes, that's it. We're is hoping that, that we won't be interrupted by Hastings Utilities this week. Yeah, hopefully not. Uh, and if we are, it's just me in the house, so... It's going to be even trickier than it was last week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I guess the cat's here, but she's not a lot of use in those useless situations. Which begs the question, why even have a cat? But we won't get into that. Well, she is cuddly. She does keep your legs warm at night. <laughs> <laughs> Fair when enough. She, when she chooses. When she uh, chooses. <laughs> that's, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, she actually just uses your legs to keep her warm, but uh, whatever, you know, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, so should we have a little, a little prayer before we get into it? Let's do that. All right. Let's join together in prayer. Loving and gracious God, as we gather together this day and in this way, in the, in the presence of the morning sun and the fresh light of the day, I ask that your spirit might be with us uh, once again that your spirit might fall afresh upon us as we take a look at your, your ancient words, your holy words, uh, your words that have meant so much to so many people throughout centuries. Um, bless us this day and be with us as you always are. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we do have um, a bit of, of scripture for this Sunday. <laughs> That's not a change. We always have scripture on Sunday. Uh, and we're going to continue that tradition this coming Sunday uh, with a little bit of scripture reading from the prophet Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah chapter 61, uh, verses 1 through 4, and then jumping uh, to verses 8 through 11. And it reads in this way. So this is the prophet Isaiah speaking. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has set me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim, excuse me, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn, 
to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will, great, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me, clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. Here ends this reading. Greg, what do you got? There's a lot of rich stuff in this passage. Um, it's a fun passage. I think, uh, first of all, uh, important point to note is that um, when Jesus starts his earthly ministry, right, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, Jesus has, has been alive for 30 years and begins his earthly ministry by marching into the synagogue, asking uh, to them to loan him a scroll. He unrolls it. And he reads from it. And it is this exact passage from Isaiah that Jesus reads from. So Jesus is declaring his ministry. He's declaring what his ministry will look like uh, by reading from this Isaiah 60, 61 scroll. And, uh, and then he sits down and he says, this prophecy has been fulfilled in your hearing. Something like that. Is that right? Or in my reading? In your hearing? Uh, maybe in his reading and your hearing. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Something to that effect. So, yeah. yeah. So this is one of those times that these Isaiah prophecies are very directly referenced in scripture. And it, it actually happens a number of times, right? We have last week, we had uh, John the baptizer directly quoting from Isaiah 40. And uh, actually, if, if we read the gospel passage this week from the gospel of John, we have John the baptizer once again, directly quoting from Isaiah 40. But then Jesus directly quotes from Isaiah 61 um, and says that this prophecy has been fulfilled in your hearing. Um, and so that, that's an important thing, I think, uh, as we connect these Isaiah prophecies with the Messiah and with the coming of Christ. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, that's one thing. But the, he only reads the very first section of that passage, right? right. Uh, Jesus. He doesn't read the whole thing that we just read. He reads, he reads the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. What's that? I was just going to, he reads like verse one and two. One and two. Or yeah. And, and then three and four is where we get into the context of Isaiah 61. Um, and I talked about this a little bit last week uh, with my sermon and, and on our Monday check-in, but the people, uh, God's people have been expelled from Jerusalem. The Babylonian army has come in, conquered the city and taken them as prisoners of war out. Um, and this, this expulsion, this wandering in the wilderness lasts for a couple of generations 
And now in the second part of Isaiah, they're allowed to return to Jerusalem. So right now, the working title of my sermon is Homecoming, because I'm reflecting on God's people returning to Jerusalem, to their homeland. And um, what I want to reflect on and, and, and sort of build upon is, is this notion of homecoming, but the, the fact that things are going to be different, right? So they are returning to their home but their home is going to be fundamentally different than it was when they left. And so what does that mean? And, and I think tying that into our current context, like our prayer is that within the next six to eight months, life will return to a sense of normalcy post COVID, but it's going to be fundamentally different than it was when we starting in March. Right. And so I want to play with these themes of, of homecoming, of, of returning to the familiar, but recognizing that the familiar is not what it was before. And what does that mean? And so for um, that, that's, that's, that's the way the sermon is starting to, to formulate in my head. Um, and, and so for God's people, for the Israelites, they're going to return back to Jerusalem, but the hope is they're not going to fall into the same patterns of behavior they were in before uh, Babylonian, the Babylonians came in and, and conquered them because they had fallen away from being in right relationship with God and being in right relationship with one another. And the prophets had railed against them primarily because they had stopped doing what God had told them to do, which is the beginning of this Isaiah 61 passage, right? Mm -hmm. To bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And, and so while they are coming home and they get to be all those familiar, warm feelings of being home that, that we're all looking forward to, because we're, we're going to have a homecoming here in six or eight or 10 months where we're going to be able to visit our family again and come back into our sanctuary and worship and, and, and go back out to restaurants without fear of getting sick and, and all of those things. Uh, but society needs to look fundamentally different. We, we need to be reshaped. The Israelites' hearts have been reshaped during their time in exile. How will our hearts be reshaped um, even as we look forward to returning to the familiar? What are we going to take with us? What lessons have we learned? What lessons did the Israelites learn while they were in Babylonian captivity and exile? What have we learned while we've been in exile wandering in the wilderness where the wild things are? Um, so that's, I've just disclosed my whole sermon. If you're listening, you uh, probably don't need to come to church on Sunday because you know, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you didn't, you didn't disclose the whole sermon, right? Because it'll be interesting to sort of see what, what you think that, that, that reshaping should look like, right? Or what that reshaping should include, right? There's references, you know, in here, in this passage, um, towards the end of it to the, um, well, 61 verse four, right? Um, they shall build up the ancient ruins and they shall raise up the former devastations. There's this, <clears throat> so Babylon sweeps in, destroys everything, takes exiles out. Um, so there is this sense of, there's rebuilding that needs to take place, right? Um, so there may be rebuilding of relationships that will need to take place. So maybe a reforming of, you know, whatever the thing is, right? Um, and it's interesting that, um, you know, if a home is destroyed by a fire, 
for example, right? Uh, and gets rebuilt. Uh, the rebuilt home uh, never just duplicates the, the original floor plan, right? It may be largely the same, but there's always some sort of, there's tweaks to it. And well, we always wanted the back door to be over there instead of over there. So let's just go ahead and do that now. Um, that there are, there are opportunities, I guess, within that, um, that homecoming work that, that you're describing in some way, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. And you think about too, like rebuilding after hurricanes or after disasters, right? Yeah. And the building codes change so that if the next disaster comes through, um, it's less likely to tear the house apart. So we, we learn lessons from our time in exile, our time in yeah. the wilderness. And we apply those lessons as we are rebuilding. Um, I remember when I lived in Denver, I built a, uh, an extension on, on my house. Uh, it, was a, it was a sunroom. And uh, I, because it was a sunroom, everything was exposed. So I was able to see the beams and the posts and, and everything. And I learned about hurricane clips. Well, we're in Denver, Colorado, right? But, but there's a particular piece of bent metal that gets nailed in one side of the frame and one side of the rafter. And you put that on each subsequent rafter and they're called hurricane clips. And they came out of learning about the devastation of hurricanes. And um, now building code requires that, whether you live in a hurricane zone or whether you live in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and so... So the important thing for the Israelites who have been in exile and are returning their home and the important thing for us who have been in exile and our wilderness wanderings is, is, is to take the lessons that we've learned and apply those so that when we rebuild, we rebuild stronger. We rebuild um, more like sort of this vision that Isaiah paints, right? Of, of a place of justice. Um, yeah. And a, a, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm trying to remember is it Jeremiah or is it Isaiah who, who talks about um, uh, planting gardens, like where they are? That's Jeremiah. That's Jeremiah, that's, right? That's, that's that, sort of make the best of your situation while you're in exile, right? That's also a word to the exiles, right? Yes. Because mm -hmm. uh, so, Okay, so I'm just thinking about this, um, that this, this, the wilderness experience like there are lessons for us, right? That that we can learn and then and then bring back to our homecoming. But that doesn't mean that that there isn't any like that we can't maintain a, a spiritual value, a spiritual core uh, in the midst of the exile as well, right? Right. Um, and this is part of Kylie's doing that that five for five sort of thing. Um, that that the wilderness experience isn't just waste wasted time right right like it's not just lostness for it's not just nothing um that that we are still having <laughs> experiences like, and we are still having opportunity for prayer and for reflection and um and for spiritual growth and and personal growth amidst the amidst the wandering i suppose yeah, that, that is such a powerful image. And you've preached on it a couple of times, including, um, I think, with uh, college students. But uh, 
this notion that even when we're in the midst of our exile, to make the best of our situation, to build homes and occupy them, to plant gardens and eat the food that is produced from them. Um, and so that even in the midst of our exile, in the midst of our wilderness wanderings, we can learn, we can continue to grow uh, in our relationship with one another, in our relationship with God. Um, and and we can benefit from, from this or, or sort of redeem this. And and the key to all of that, I think, uh, that we learn about in Isaiah is, is God's presence with us in the midst of it, right? God has not abandoned us. And so we can continue to grow in our relationship with God, even in our wilderness exile, in the same way that the Israelites were encouraged to do, and to, to rekindle and reestablish and reform and reshape and repair and improve our relationship with God in the midst of our wilderness wanderings. And, and that's a well, Greg seems to have frozen. what we talked about with the free passage last week. We're out here. God has not abandoned us. God has not left us alone. Did it drop? It did drop, we're but back? I think, I think you're back now. Okay. So yeah, this, this idea that God is with us in the midst of our wilderness wanderings, God is a God of wilderness in the same way that God is a God of homecoming, um, that God accompanies us each and every step of the way. And so these are all opportunities to continue to grow in our relationship with God. And in our homecoming, we take the lessons that we learn in the wilderness and we apply those to improve our relationship with God and our relationship with one another as we are rebuilding, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is reminding me of um, if, if folks who, who maybe missed forum on Sunday morning, Dan started off by talking about um, the Advent wreath and talking about, um, in some ways, this, this sort of continued um, separation that we're experiencing because of COVID it provides this great opportunity to, to reestablish um, some habits that maybe we we weren't doing before, right? That uh, so to reestablish the that going doing an Advent wreath in your home with your family uh, to reestablish that habit and to re and and to reconnect with God in that way. And there's something about this idea of homecoming that like we are anticipating ourselves going somewhere to meet God right? Like that's homecoming. I go home to Victor or I go to Waverly, Iowa. Um, but there's something about this Advent homecoming that is also about, uh, and this is why we've called our devotional, the indwelling of God, right? That, that God makes God's home among the people. Um, that, that there's a, there's a homecoming in that as well, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. So that we can experience at least parts of that homecoming, I think, even while we are more separated from one another and and from the places that we that we love and from the places that we would normally associate associate with. Oh, that's where I go to meet God. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And and, and to close too, I, I really appreciate the the language in here about um, God's presence in the midst of our grief, right? That we are to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, because there is a great deal of mourning. People died in Babylonian captivity, right? 
um, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. And um, I, I continue to appreciate these images of, of God accompanying us in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our mourning, uh, particularly in this COVID time. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be doing a funeral today for uh, a longtime church member, uh, Berdetta Fricke, and uh, I, I find comfort in these passages from Isaiah. In fact, I'm quoting from Isaiah as part of the funeral service um, this, this morning, or it'll be at one o'clock this afternoon. And so I just, uh, because God reminds God's people that even in the midst of, of grief and mourning, in the midst of wilderness wanderings or or being out of our comfort zones, that God still accompanies us. God is with us. God with, walks with us. And, and God's presence and time will help us get to a point where the, the garland instead of ashes and the oil of gladness instead of the oil of mourning. And man, there's a lot of hope in those words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It's a, it's a beautiful and, and powerful um, bit of scripture. And I have one last question. What does a recompense mean? Recompense? Yeah. Being, being paid back for, right? Okay. That's such a great word. It came <laughs> up It came up in last week's reading as well. It just has such yes. a great rhythm to it. Recompense. Recompense. Yeah. <laughs> great word. Yeah. Think about recompensated, right? It's being paid back for. Faithfully give them their recompense. Yeah. At any rate. <laughs> it's not a not a word we hear very often it's a good one yeah um announcements yeah yeah so uh super busy in the life of our church in this season of advent and christmas uh we're still not doing uh in-person worship in our sanctuary um, however, uh, we are still doing stay-at-home worship during the season of Advent. Uh, that is from 10.30 to 11.30, uh, streamed on Facebook Live, as well as on uh, 1550 KICS Radio. Uh, but uh, if the weather holds, as it did on Sunday, uh, following worship at noon, we invite you to, to watch our, our live stream worship service or listen to the radio, and then, it, and then get in your car at 11.30, drive down to the church parking lot, and we're doing an Advent parking lot hymn sing. And we did it uh, this Sunday, and it was delightful. Um, I was trying to think there were maybe 20 or 30 people there, Damon? I was going to say 30. Um, so a nice, was, a nice group. It was a nice group. Uh, we were able to maintain social distance and wear face masks, and we were outdoors. Uh, and so following the CDC guidelines and, and a total of 15 minutes that we gathered, but we sang six beloved Advent and Christmas hymns. And we're going to do that again each Sunday in Advent, weather permitting. And so we invite you to join us for that, a chance to see your beloved church family in person, to look in their eyes, and also to sing hymns that are part of this season of the church year that are so important to us. Um, in addition to the Advent parking lot hymn sing, we're doing a couple of special services this Advent. Um, we're doing what's called a blue Christmas service. This is for people who have experienced a significant loss at some point in the last year, uh, or really just are mourning a specific loss in this holiday time. 
Um, and that'll be on uh, Thursday, December 17th at 7.30 p.m. That will be broadcast on Facebook Live. Once we finish the broadcast, it will also be posted to our church's Facebook page. Um, and we can send out the video of that as well for people who want to uh, watch that service or participate in it in some way. Um, it's an ecumenical service. We're doing it with four other pastors in town, and it promises to be a, a pretty meaningful thing. Um, our Christmas Eve services as well. Let's uh, let's run down the schedule of that. We're going to do uh, a driving Christmas Eve worship service. Uh, that'll be in the stadium parking lot of the Hastings College Football Stadium. We will start that service at 5.30. We invite people to start arriving by 5 o'clock so we can get the, the cars stacked in the parking lot. You'll get there. Uh, you'll be handed through your car window a bulletin and a battery-operated candle so we can do a, a candlelit uh, silent night. And, uh, and then you'll tune your car radio to 1550 and participate in the service. That way, Damon and I will be standing on the steps of the basketball arena hopefully it won't be too cold or too windy or too snowy i was mentioning that to my wife on sunday and she said just bundle up yeah. suck it up buttercup she said to me yeah so yeah. so we this will is... be there jessica will be pushing me out the door of the stadium to lead the <laughs> service whether i want to or no jessica would never do that to me of course but uh that is our christmas eve service uh that will be live as a drive-in service also broadcast on the radio and facebook live and then at 11 o'clock we'll have uh an even song service uh, an evening prayer service uh which will go live on our church's facebook page at 11 p.m on christmas eve um yeah, uh, an expression that I learned in Minnesota is that there is no bad weather, only bad gear. <laughs> okay. So. I like it. If you think the weather is bad, that really just means that you weren't prepared for it. Um, so there you go. That sounds like a very Minnesota <laughs> sensibility thing to say. <laughs> yeah, they were always outside, those people. Um, so that's kind of the... Advent, Christmas Eve stuff. We have also throughout the Advent season, a few different ways for people to be able to continue their faith journey during this time. Uh, we have the Advent devotional that we sent out to everyone. If folks don't have one, then they can let the church know and we'll get one to them real quick. And along with that is a reverse Advent collection, a daily collection of, of useful items for some of our vital ministry partners. And if, if folks have started to collect those and would like to drop them off, they are welcome to do so at the church during regular business hours. Just uh, come to the door by the office, ring the bell. Uh, Jean or whoever is in the office uh, will greet you and, and help you to find where those, where those, where we're collecting those items. Um, forums are continuing. I think there's one more forum before we take a break um, for the end of the year. And Dan Deffenbaugh right now is leading a forum on messianic expectations. And those are at 9.15 Sunday mornings live via Zoom. So if folks want to join in, let the church know and we will get that link to you. And the, they are recorded and we're posting those videos to YouTube as well. So folks can check those out. And also, I've received a lot of positive feedback from this, and probably you have as well, Greg. Um, dedicated church staff and volunteers have gone back through the recordings and found uh, cantatas, first pres cantatas from previous years. And those are uh, being broadcast 
on the television channels. I don't know which ones, <laughs> but yes, the public folks, access television channels. Yes, so folks uh, can be on the lookout. I know there was an announcement in the bulletin that had all the detailed information of when they air. Um, I've seen a couple of them pop up on our Facebook page. Um, so folks can look for them there as well, probably. Um, I've watched a little bit of some of them uh, and seen a lot of faces that I didn't don't recognize. And um, But I think folks are really enjoying that as a way of... Um, Asking in the season, I suppose, uh, and also as a way of uh, remembering their connections to one another. Um, in addition, of course, to the to the messages that those cantatas relay to us. Um, so, but those another thing for folks to keep keep an eye out for. Yeah, the one that is being broadcast this week is it's a rather impressive lineup of people in the front of the church in black robes and purple stoles. Oh, really. <laughs> It is. Uh, and I think this was uh, Reverend Bill's thing. He liked uh, this. And so I think there are eight or nine people, including Dr. Dan Deffenbaugh, mm. uh, Joan and Dave McCarthy, uh, Reverend Bill, John Curtis, who is the uh, associate, was the associate pastor in 2005. Um, and at least two elders also in black robes with purple stoles. And so it's this really impressive uh, lineup and they've moved the pulpit and the, the chairs for everybody down onto the floor of the sanctuary because the brass is sitting where the chairs normally are. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, fun to watch and, and see and hear those voices. And uh, the elders, I think, are Lynn Friedwald Shoemaker and Jim Bovee. Okay. And it's fun to see them as well. So it's uh, it's a, it's an impressive lineup, and then the music itself is just stunning. Uh, so grateful for our music program and its long, rich tradition at this church. So. Yeah, I was thinking about this on Sunday about um, because during this during the worship service we had that recorded bell piece um, that we shared from two twenty two thousand seventeen seventeen. Um, I was thinking about how how fortunate it is for First Press to, to have these things that they can, that we can revisit and share. And then I thought, well, that's, it's really more than, it's really more than luck that these things are there. And it's, it's because of, of all of the past work of previous generations um, who just sort of consistently went about doing the things of God and, and built up this, this great legacy, this great tradition, um, all of these varied ways of passing the faith along to folks, um, that those things exist, um, which was, a, the, and then it flipped my mind a little bit for how I thought about those things that, um, and, and yeah, and, and how thankful that I was um, for those who had come before me and how I, I hope to be able to contribute to that as we go yeah. along, but. Um, yeah. Uh, although I hope they're not having to pull them during a pandemic time. That's, that's like, yes. <laughs> they had no idea that all this work that they put in to um, recording these services of such high quality would, would be used in this time. What a blessing it is and how much gratitude we have for, as you said, faithful people going about their, their, their jobs as volunteers and as church staff members and, 
And yeah, I mean, I, I do hope 10, 15 years from now, people are pulling recordings of services that you and I participate in, Damon, and um, and that that tradition continues, though hopefully not in the context of a global pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, that was a brief aside that I thought of. And then also to go along with the Advent devotional, we do have um, Kaya Wenberg, uh, the parish associate, is that, that's her official title, um, has uh, started developing these five for five Advent spiritual practices. And uh, there's a little video that would explain what this week's practice is. I think it's on, I don't know, where is it? It will be on YouTube uh, this afternoon. Okay. Uh, so folks can check out, then that's just a way of sort of deepening the experience, uh, particularly with the Advent devotional, um, but just a way of deepening our spiritual experience throughout the season of Advent at, at the very least, and, and probably continuing then after Advent as well. But um, another thing for folks to check out. So. Yeah. All right. Well, should I close with the word of prayer? Yeah, that seems appropriate. All right. Let's pray. Gracious God, as we reflect on Advent and Christmas in this strange time, we well up with gratitude for the folks who have come before us. We recognize that we are standing on the shoulders of giants, giants of the faith from uh, the very first Christmas that was celebrated, but particularly giants of the faith uh, who have a nearly 150 year tradition here in Hastings, Nebraska. Thank you for that legacy that we have inherited. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to contribute to that legacy so that it continues on into the future. Continue to bless and guide our study of your holy word and bless and guide our reflection on your holy season of Advent and Christmas. Lord, fill our hearts with those Advent values we talk about of hope, peace, joy, and love so that we can embody those values in the world and all will come to know your love through us. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. With all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.